Welcome to the tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we have some great topics lined up. We'll be discussing Rocket Internet yet again as their portfolio value increases by 3.4 billion euros since its IPO one year ago. We'll be taking a look at Amsterdam-based Fairtrade phone company, which scored 9 million in crowdfunding. So this is an ethical smartphone called Fairphone. And we'll be looking at French dating app Happen, which recently announced a 12.5 million euro round to go to Asia. So let's jump to Rocket Internet, one of our favorite topics I feel on the podcast. They recently announced this 3.4 billion portfolio value increase. The Berlin-based internet startup factory went public last October, so now it's been one year. And where is this uh, increase in value coming from? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously quite a big jump. I think it actually corresponds to 38% rise per share, so it's pretty significant. But rather interestingly, it's pretty much all come from one company or at least one sector, and that's the on-demand food space and the delivery space and HelloFresh is one of their proven winners, as they call them. But what's interesting is the sales may be going up, but also their losses are continuing to go up as well. So their profit, actually, from the first half of last year was $91.9 million, but this year it's turned into a loss of $45.9 million in the first half of this year. So that's one hell of a swing. So you've mentioned HelloFresh, obviously. The company talks a lot about, quote-unquote, proven winners, who are these companies? What are the other ones out there? And what do what does proven winners even mean? Yeah, I mean, it, I think this is a, a term which Rocket Internet have essentially coined, and they've used it in the past as well. They're proven winners. Essentially, it means companies that are seeing the most traction for them. And the companies in this space are Delivery Hero, HelloFresh, West Wing, Home24, Global Fashion Group. So those really, really kind of big companies kind of under the rocket umbrella. These are their proven winners, the ones that have already kind of raised a lot of money, seen a lot of traction and are already kind of, I mean, they're not even startups, are they? They're kind of big companies already. And I think they've also kind of summarized their key successes and challenges since the IPO. So what should the listeners be aware of? Yeah, well, I think, uh, as, as I alluded to at the beginning, it's quite interesting that the food and grocery space is clearly the biggest kind of, well, biggest return for them in terms of sales. And that includes like Food Panda, HelloFresh, etc. And they are performing significantly higher than anything else. Notably, fashion, who they also have quite a lot of investments in, isn't doing so well in terms of sales. So that's the kind of vertical which is kind of keeping them afloat really i made a, a silly analogy actually just before this uh, or not an analogy but a silly remark before these results came out saying if everybody stopped eating rocket internet would be screwed obviously it was a throwaway joke but actually when you look at their financial uh, results obviously something like that would never happen but it does show you just how much they are kind of betting on that area well, hopefully nobody out there will stop eating uh, and impact Rocket's business. But they've also speculated to what their company might look like in the next five years. 
Yeah, so they've kind of split that into kind of three parts. So they're saying they're going to have core cash generative companies, so the ones that make the money for them, potentially listed on a stock exchange. They're going to have their growth stage businesses. So these are kind of short to midterm kind of funding requirements these companies will have. And finally, they'll have they'll be looking at platform. So these are companies built on their existing network so in payments marketing etc they're the examples they give and they will of course continue to focus on new concepts and in terms of investments they will be looking to kind of list more companies or even divest them to maximize their value so i mean obviously we hear a lot about their successes and i feel like you know they always kind of want to up that and play it a little bit bigger than it should be you mentioned in the beginning of this part that obviously they're also got a big loss that's increasing as well so not everything is great news coming from their end and we've also heard a little bit about layoffs that have recently been taking place with a company that they recently acquired yeah so helplin they're backed by rocket internet they've just laid off 20 percent of its workforce and the reason why this is kind of so not interesting, but kind of newsworthy is that this is only three months after they acquired their UK based competitor Hassel for 32 million euros. So obviously, they it looked like things are going well for them. They're kind of gobbling up competitors. But now they've had to lay off 20% of their staff, which is quite I mean, and it's not just that they're also pulling out of four markets as well. And these are Spain, Brazil, Sweden and Canada. And that's as a result of the restructuring. So they're saying that their growth remains healthy, but it is, you know, layoffs are never a good thing. So it is quite telling, perhaps only three months after kind of acquiring a company that they've already had to let quite a lot of people go. It's not just Rocket who do back Helplin. They're not a pure Rocket venture. Lakestar, Point9 Capital, etc. are also invested in them. But it is a kind of example of not everything looking so rosy for them. So that's interesting. Obviously, we see the grocery space doing very well and maybe home services and cleaning uh, taking a bit of a hit. So the other bit of uh, Rocket kind of rumors that we had uh, mentioned on the podcast earlier was also that they are to be launching a one billion euro growth fund. Uh, I don't think we've had too many updates on that. But on a bit of a lighter note, I think our listeners would probably love this. Do you know the Oliver Samba song that is based on Oliver Samwise email that was published in TechCrunch, 2011. I think it was in December. Have you mm. heard of this, Neil? Never heard of it. So it's essentially a great remix of the text of this email that Oliver Samware sent to his employees, and it's kind of a bit of a aggressive email telling everybody that they need to be number one and and whatnot. So Terrible Ink on SoundCloud have used the email text, remixed it into a very catchy tune called Blitzkrieg, and I hope that the listeners will check it out. Yeah, well, we're, we're trying to include it after this, hopefully. Now moving on to Amsterdam-based ethical smartphone maker Fairphone. They managed to score $9 million in crowdfunding. So the company didn't actually use a crowdfunding platform, but instead allowed users to pre-order through their online shop. They hit roughly 17,500 pre-orders for their second phone. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty impressive, especially because they didn't actually use, like you say, a, a real crowdfunding platform. But it does show the, the kind of power of this pre-ordering. I think in many ways, it's such a good way to sell a hardware product, even just doing pre-orders or doing crowd, crowdfunding platforms for me, if I had a hardware product would be the first place I would go to raise money, because it not only gives you the money to, to kind of make the product, but it gives you the validation to whether you should do it in the first place. So I think it's a really, really clever strategy to raise 9 million 
million euros in pre-orders or, or crowdfunding or you know whatever term you you want to use is is pretty impressive and if you did kind of say it was pure crowdfunding because it wasn't on a platform it kind of doesn't count in terms of like the records or anything like that but it would certainly be up there not only with one of europe's biggest crowdfunded successes but actually globally as well i mean in terms of kind of europe's successes obviously we've talked about seeders and crowdcube uh, on here before the equity kind of crowdfunding platforms but as in pure kind of crowdfunding platforms obviously kickstarter is used indiegogo is quite popular i know a danish startup airtame they raised over a million dollars pretty much 18 months ago for a hardware product and at the time that was one of europe's biggest crowdfunding successes as well i think several have surpassed that by now but it does go to show you that it doesn't just have to be kickstarter you could use your own you could use indiegogo there are other platforms available to have this whereas kind of a couple of years ago everyone just used kickstarter to crowdfund there's now kind of more options available and kind of a lot of potential in this space potentially yeah, and I think um, a lot of the different European markets probably also have a number of various local competitors as well, although that's obviously probably harder to reach, reach larger amounts on. So in France, we have uh, some crowdform, crowdfunding platforms like Anaxago, which is pretty well known. Also, some that are more angelist style models. So we've had, for example, Smart Angels and FundMe. But I think actually a big trend in France is still to use crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter. And that's usually, obviously, for the hardware space, companies that are trying to raise several million. Um, but Evo actually interviewed the CEO of Fairphone earlier this year, so that was in June. And uh, he told Evo that they launched their first phone just aiming for 5,000 pre-orders and actually hit double that, so 10,000. So sounds like they've actually done pretty well through this strategy. And it looks like the team, which is, I think, 38 people, probably hitting about 40 by now, shipped over 60,000 phones. And with this new order, they should be hitting close to 80,000. So not too bad. Um, so now on to a bit of a lighter topic. We have French dating app Happen, which has also announced a new round of funding. So 12.5 million euro looking at going into Asia. So the company has announced that they have 6 million users that use their mobile app. And essentially the way it works is it lets you connect with people that you come across during your day in real life. So you actually like pass by them on the street or they're geographically close to you. So have you ever used any of these kind of apps, Neil, like Happen or Tinder? No, I have to admit that I haven't. I haven't even seen Tinder. All I know is that you can swipe right and left. I have a girlfriend. I'm too paranoid to download. Like, I am curious to see, like, how it works. But I am way too paranoid to download Tinder or any dating app on my phone, have my girlfriend see it, and me say, oh, yeah, I was just uh, interested to, to check it out. Even though she knows my line of work, I still don't think that's going to fly. So, yeah, I'm completely clueless about, about these apps. All I Literally, all I know about dating apps is Tinder, you swipe right and left. Have so you I, used them? Uh, I, have to, I have to confess, I have. I've tried both Tinder and Happen. Let's just say that it was for professional purposes. <laughs> that might not be true. Um, but I think what's very interesting about Tinder is, obviously, you can, you can actually glean quite a lot about people from... The choice of photos that they use, there's obviously not a lot of chance for dialogue, but you do have a short text to present yourself. Happen has a very different model. And what surprised me about Happen 
obviously the user base is a lot smaller, so it's people who are going to be very, very early adopters. I was surprised, though, to see that you actually do come across a lot of people you don't want to chat to. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it had the opposite effect on me. So this app obviously positions itself as a Tinder competitor, but just to kind of keep things in perspective, we've gone over the different experiences, but the numbers are also very different. So uh, Happen is boasting 6 million users worldwide. Tinder has something around 50 million. They've actually, I've heard some interesting valuations for Tinder as well, north of 1 billion. So there was actually also a French Tinder, like an official French Tinder that was more or less the exact same app that was launched two years ago called Candy Shop. And we haven't heard much about about the application since. That's a hell of a name. (laughs) Candy Shop. Um, Yeah, no, but actually, I I say I don't know anything about dating apps. I actually know a tiny bit about France and their relationship with dating apps. Because there's an Icelandic gaming app that people might remember called QuizUp, which was really, really popular a couple of years ago for about a month, where everyone was playing it and you just... You, it was basically like social gaming, like you just answered questions kind of faster and better than your mates. And there was leaderboards around certain topics. And it was really, really popular. But then as games do, it quickly kind of wasn't popular. After a month, it pretty much died out. They kind of went back into hiding and, and kind of tried to figure some stuff out. They improved the chat functionality within the game. And then it came to my attention again a couple of months ago when all of a sudden I noticed QuizUp was number one in the French app store. And I was like, okay, that's really, really weird, like 18 months after it was popular. And what transpired was because the chat functionality had improved and people were kind of playing against each other in kind of shared interest, the French had basically turned it into a dating app. They were using it to simply chat to people and to meet people through the app. And like I looked on Twitter as well, and there was a load of tweets from French people saying, this is miles better than Tinder. This is amazing. This is like, I've had so much better experience with QuizUp than I did with Tinder. So yeah, I find it really interesting how the French kind of turned this gaming app into a dating app. So there's clearly a big market and and demand for it in France for someone not only to take on Tinder, but also for, for several competitors in this space. Yeah, and we will actually come to that in a bit, but leave it to France to turn any app into a dating app, right? (laughs) Um, Coming back to Happen, though, so they've actually got some pretty big-name investors in this round. They've got a great business business angel who's well-known, so that's OLX founder Fabrice Grinda. They've got Alvin Capital. They've got UK-based DN Capital. They're bringing in French fund ID Invest in this round, and they've also got an American fund called Rain Capital. So for anyone who doesn't know Rain They've got several offices in the U.S., they've got offices in London and in China, and they've done investments in companies like Meerkat and Dubsmash, so pretty decent fund. So December of last year, Happen also announced uh, another pretty large round, that was $8 million that they announced last December, and that was to go into countries like the U.K., Spain, Germany, but also that's when they launched into the U.S. and Australia. Yeah, Australia, that, that's quite interesting. I think that I mean, we we discussed this pretty much before we started recording, and you mentioned that it's odd that more companies don't look at Australia because it's a big English-speaking market. It's it's fairly big. I mean, the only kind of downside is it's quite physically far away from Europe. But, I mean, actually, it shouldn't really matter too much when it comes to tech products. So I agree with you. Like, I I think it's kind of a big surprise that we don't see more people looking at this big English-speaking market So it could be quite an interesting move from them. And I wonder if we will see kind of more companies looking to do that. And I wonder what the downside 
of the Australian market is and why people don't do it, I imagine just because it's physically far away. But I do think that that shouldn't matter more and more with these type of products. Yeah, I think um, I think it's actually an English speaking market that a lot of startups overlook. So that's why I found that particularly interesting. And that probably I'm hoping it contributed pretty well to the 6 million users as well. So going into their numbers, a year ago, Happen was at the 1 million user mark. Uh, so now it's 6 million. Today, they claim to have 1 million new users per month. I'm going to say that is a pretty big round up on their side. And I think that they're looking at hitting the 10 million user mark by the end of the year. So that is pretty aggressive, pretty ambitious. Hopefully they'll be able to do it. They had 25 employees a year ago looking at hitting 50 employees this year. So that will be doubling their team size. But coming back to what you said earlier about the French market and their relationship with dating apps. So when I was at TechCrunch, I always found it funny the number of dating sites I would get pitched Every week, I felt like I'd get at least three new ones. Um, a lot of this, I felt, was actually because of Medic's success. So Medic is often listed as one of the big kind of French startup success stories. They initially bought Match.com's European activities in 2009 and then were acquired by Match in 2011. But some other top dating sites to come out of France uh, have included, I guess we could count Bleeden, which is essentially the Ashley Madison of France. So... Uh, extramarital affairs site. We also have another site called Adopt a Guy or in French Adopt a Night, which recently announced 10 million users earlier this year. That number was actually challenged by Match, who said that that's actually just the number of signups since the launch of the site. And actually, the number of official users is much, much lower. Uh, regardless, that is a site that has done very well. And Attractive World is another one that's probably worth mentioning as it functions in kind of a different model. It's more of a VIP club um, where users have to kind of vote to let someone in or not to the community. So very interesting uh, sites. I think probably the one that I think is most anecdotal for my TechCrunch days, though, was one called Lady Shoes Me, where um, instead of putting a profile picture, you would put a pair of shoes because they thought that was more appealing to women. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I think we'll end it on that note. Yeah. I mean, what's the population for? Like 65 million, something around yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 10 million users in France. On... No, not in France alone. So okay. So they're, they're looking at hitting, uh, uh, if you're talking about adopt a guy, yeah. they're worldwide. Okay. And so has happened. So I think that should be doable. Okay. Yeah. In that, in that case, I wouldn't challenge their numbers. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, it was rather. Rather a fun episode. Hopefully we'll manage to, to edit. We would have managed to edit in the, the Oliver Samwer song as well. I'm actually going to go and listen to it in full now we finished when we finished recording this. Um, but yeah, that's it. You can find us on Twitter at Neil S.W. Murray or at Roxanne Vaza. Go to tech underscore EU on Twitter. Obviously, website is tech.eu. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we'll be back next week. Thank you, Roxanne. There are only three areas in e-commerce to build a billion-dollar business. Amazon, Zappos, and Furniture. When it's time to take 100% of the market, full-scale investment attack, etc. And see below, yeah? The time for the blitzkrieg must be chosen wisely. I am ready anytime. Must, number one. We must be the number one. Why? I cannot raise money for number two, etc. Because I